when Lena first started talking about stewardship, immediately a verse jumped out at me, Mark 24 and 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but I'll read it to you. I believe this is the New Living Translation, and it's, it's in one of my favorite chapters. It's after the parable of the sower, if you know that, if you've heard me talk about that. But Jesus says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And I, to me, that encapsulates in another way the mystery of stewardship. He always gives us a little to start with. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower and bread for eating. And we're not supposed to sow our bread and we're not supposed to eat our seed, but we can do both and mess up on both. And he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So he's the one that initiated and started all of creation. So everything by default then is a response to who he is and what he's done. And if we forget those precepts and those concepts we can get out of whack and we can start to perceive him in a wrong way and respond to him in a wrong way and think of him in a wrong way and so one of my favorite topics is to talk about concepts and context and you have the right concept in the wrong context you can have it out of context and you can see it wrong and so some thoughts on stewardship that God began to speak to me as we jumped into this, I, I loved it that we started this in January too, by the way. I hate New Year's resolutions. I decided when I was a little kid, I think New Year's resolutions are stupid. And it just seemed to me like that's something that everybody in the world got all wrapped around the axle and bent out of shape over. And, and I was just like, this is so dumb. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to, but I, I like direction. And, I, and God gave us direction in a word last year about taking things back that the enemy had stolen. And the word and the direction for this year is stewarding abundance. And Lena and Sabata laid some good foundation, and I'm going to reference some of the points that they made. But one of the thoughts is that this is about living, not about giving. And Lena was making that point that a lot of times when we hear stewardship, we think about giving money. And so stewardship is a much bigger picture. It's about the whole of your life and how you live your life. And giving is a part of that, and giving is actually a much bigger subject than giving money, how you give your time, how you give your attention to detail, how you give your heart to him and to others. The day before Lena asked me to take a, a turn preaching, God said this to me, don't be afraid of momentum, but don't respect, disrespect it either. You are building momentum regardless of what you do. Don't be intimidated or ignorant of how it works. See, we can be intimidated by a lack of momentum. We can see lack of momentum in our life. We can feel like nothing's going on. Either we're doing nothing or we're not doing the right things. And so we don't see the momentum that we want to see. We can be intimidated by wrong momentum. We've been doing the wrong things and we've, see, we've got some momentum that we don't want to be in our lives. We can be ignorant of how momentum works and we can therefore become a victim or a beggar. And sometimes we've been going in the wrong direction and we don't know how to start in the right direction. Easy in one of his sermons that Lena referenced. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. But sometimes we started in the wrong way or we don't know how to get started. And we need to know how to restart or how to get started. So 
another point that he spoke to me. Stewardship involves steadiness, but it's not about maintaining a status quo. So there's something about stewardship. I don't know, maybe, maybe it doesn't sound that way to you, but to me, at one point, a negative thought or connotation that came to my mind is, oh, that's just boring, like just being a steward, you know. <laughs> steward, steady, steady, steady steward. No, that's maintaining a status quo. Stewardship is dynamic. A stewardship is responding to things and environments in a way that he, the master, would want you to respond, but not living by a default protocol or a default action or default thought, but always having in mind what does he want to accomplish. And, and so in one situation, he may say do this. In another situation, he may be, say do that. It's not about doing the same thing every time, but it's about accomplishing the same thing every time, which is his will. So I want to do uh, a couple of exercises to help make this process feel tangible. And so I, w- I want to play something for you. And, and if you understand what is being said, I'd just like you to respond in the way that you're being requested to respond. Is that fair? Okay. Okay, nobody. <laughs> Chris got a tiny Oh, Oh, we got one. We got one. Shame on you for not knowing what was just said. No. <laughs> Let me try again, okay? Buenos días. Es un placer veros a todos. Si entiendes lo que estoy diciendo ahora mismo, levanta la mano y di amén. Ah, we're getting, we're picking it up. We're picking it up. We're picking it up, right? Here, let's try again. What was being said was, good morning. It's good to see you all. If you understand what I am saying right now, please raise your hands and say amen. Amen. See, I was communicating, but there was not a lot of comprehension going on, right? Now, if you care about what's being communicated, that can be a frustrating process. That's how Satan feels when we speak in tongues. Seriously, that's, that's part of the benefit and the blessing of speaking in tongues. But we can also feel that same frustration when the Lord is doing or saying something, and we haven't pressed in to listen and to know what he's talking about. If you remember when when God spoke from heaven, when Jesus, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There were three different things that people heard, even though there was only one thing that was said. Some people heard thunder. Some people heard angels making noise. They knew it was spiritual, but it didn't have to do with them. And then other people heard what God said. All three of those accounts are written in scripture. The only way for all three of those accounts to be there is if people heard three different things, even though one thing occurred. So it's on us. If we don't understand something, we can, we can either shrink back and get frustrated and give up. We can be like the lazy servant who said, I knew you're a hard taskmaster, and I'm just going to give you back what you gave me. Or we can be like the faithful servants. And going back to that stewardship concept, this is Matthew 25. What did, you, what did the master say? He said, blessed are you who've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. And that's another uh, little word that God gave me. Stewardship precedes rulership. And we are called to be rulers. Rulers set the standard. In our world, we tend to think of rulers as being people other than us. Rulers are people in governmental positions. And we let them set the standards too often. But really, we're called to set the standards. We're called to be the rulers. 
Now, the hard thing about rulership and reigning from that perspective in our world is whenever we see, when we think of rulership, we think of ruling over other people. And so it gets, it, it, well, in God's kingdom, we weren't created to rule over other people. We were created to serve one another. And so in God's kingdom, reigning is over a gift and over a territory, over an influence, over a strength, over a talent, but it's never over people. And so when we get that backwards, not only do we miss out on the blessing, but we also feed into that wrong mindset that turns people off to the truth of God's word. So where am I going with all this? God's kingdom works by laws. And the interesting thing about laws is you can break a law, but you're not really breaking the law. You're breaking your right standing with the government that gave the law, but you can never really break a law. The law of gravity is a reality. You can't break it, but it will break you if you violate it. God's kingdom works on laws that you can never break. They can either work with you and you can work with them or they can work against you. One of the things that Easy pointed out in one of his messages that Lena shared was that time and energy will work with you and for you in the first part of your life. But as you get to the other side of your life, they'll begin to work against you. Make sure you're using them in the right way. And so we want to understand what are the laws of stewardship so that we can enter in and we can, we don't, God doesn't give us heavy burdens. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so what I've, I felt like what God wanted to convey and accomplish in this message is to share some simple thoughts, some ways that can help us get started and understand this concept of stewardship and get moving in a new way. Now, part of the reason why we have a hard time understanding concepts is because when, when a concept is new or foreign to us, it makes us feel uncomfortable. That Whenever we're confronted with something that's new, it, it's like a... The... Um, there's a term in psychology called semantic satiation, and I'm not trying to get all, sound all wordy and everything, but I learned what this concept was before I knew what it was called. And somebody told me a long time ago, I don't know, if you say a word over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you'll actually begin to forget what it means while you're saying it. And I was like, that's weird, and I tried it, and I was like, that's true, it works. It's called semantic satiation. What they figured out, they, they made this observation. It's a phenomenon that occurs when simple words repeated over and over again feel foreign and strange despite being an everyday part of your vocabulary. It's totally normal, even if it feels totally weird in the moment. So with God's concepts, we can say things over and over again with the intention of getting a concept across or communicating something. But after a while, it can just start to sound like Charlie Brown talking to his teacher. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> if you've ever noticed when um, my wife and I have worked with youth for a long time and w when youth get around adults, sometimes there's a tendency for adults to want to impart and deposit into youth. And so they start talking to the youth and, and, it, and it works for a little bit. But after a while, the youth kind of start going, blah, 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 blah. You're like, that's what it's. <laughs> Am I right, youth? <laughs> OK. All right. But there's also another extreme where we don't focus enough on what words mean. And, and so we're not over-familiar, we're unfamiliar, and we're not getting the value and the meaning of what's being conveyed. And so I want to share four or five concepts about what makes God's kingdom different. And then I'm going to share some concepts that you can all practice on an individual basis and you can take away as starting steps, starting points for you. Now, I will say 
that another thing about this message and this concept of stewardship was something that God started speaking to me in January and late December. So I got real excited when I heard about it. I was like, oh, yes. And I already said I don't like New Year's resolutions. So when it was, when it was a theme and a direction for the year, it was like it, it was even more meaningful to me. This is not about trying to make a willful effort to, you know, be a better person or self-develop or something like that. It's about learning that God has already created and set in motion a set of laws in his creation. And, and we are invited to enter into that and to participate with him. He's the one that does the work. It's his word. The Bible says when the seed is sown, it produces all by itself. The farmer doesn't even know how it works. He just knows if I put it in the ground and I water it, it's going to produce. When you see farmers planting crops, they don't go out there and cry over the ground and say, I planted my seed. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't get it. No, they, they expect we're going to keep the pests out. And we're going to keep it watered. And we're going to get a crop. That's just the way that it works. So that's the whole thought behind this. Now, if you're lost or you're new to something, the best thing you can do is just come to grips with that first. Instead of acting like you're not lost, <laughs> best thing to do is say, okay, Okay, wait, I don't know where I'm, you know, I was, I love it when somebody doesn't know what a word means and they say, wait, I, what did you mean by that? I don't know what that means. I have a lot of respect for people when they do that because that's a, that's a mark of humility. And Jesus said, if we'll be like little children, if we'll be innocent and, and humble, we'll get things faster than the people that think that, that they know it all. So getting oriented, going to orientation is the first thing that starts whenever you go to a new school or a new business or you enter into a new experience, you, you've got to get the lay of the land. You've got to get oriented. The importance of context in comprehending concepts is massive. You can't disrespect it. You can't violate that. You can't appreciate the trees if you can't see the forest. You ever heard the expression, you can't see the forest for the trees and vice versa? There's a, there's, there's a mystery that God created that involves things that look like they're diametrically opposite or different. So if we want to go and understand a forest, we go and we look at the micro aspects, that's the individual trees and bushes that are there. But then when we look at it as a whole and we see where it's situated in forests in the world and, and the climate and, the, and the, the latitude and the longitude and the mountain regions that are around it, then you're able to start to really understand what is its value and, and how does it play a role in the entire world ecosystem and and, and how can we care for it and protect it and understand all the treasures that are really there? So a couple of the things that uh, we also I want to just tie in with what Lena and Sabata brought up. Everything belongs to God. Our foundation is love. We need to understand what our role is. When our views are not aligned with God, it causes us to take on a false identity. Sin and deception cause us to give away our identity. And you can see that in Adam. He took on an identity of fig leaves. And there's diff just like there's different degrees of love, just because we use the word love doesn't mean we know exactly what they're saying. I love my wife in a way differently than I love somebody else in this room. A lot of times we think we've got so much in our English language, but we're actually bankrupt. Okay, let's talk about kingdom for a moment. Jesus said... 90-something times that he talked about the kingdom of God. It's been my experience that most people don't know what that means. And so if you don't have a, a simple definition and understanding of what a word means, when somebody says it, it will sound like Charlie Brown's teacher to you. 
they've, they've, they've studied this and they've learned this in marketing. If they want to get you to think about something, they will say, don't think about fast cars. Don't think about ice cream. Don't, th don't is not a word that means anything to the human mind. And so what they're really doing is they're subliminally saying to you, think about ice cream. Think about my product. And they do it over and over again, and they get people thinking about things that they want them to think about. So when we hear Jesus say the kingdom of God is like, if you don't have any concept or construct of what he's talking about, you hear is like. Or if you think that the kingdom of God is a place, you hear heaven is like. Or you hear some other religious concept. Kingdom of God does not mean religion or any kind of religious concept. Kingdom of God is a government. It's a type of government. So, five things that make his kingdom different. Or that makes kingdoms different as a type of government. This is just using basic aspects of the kingdom. First, kingdoms expand through colonization. Secondly, Kingdoms are led by an unelected ruler, someone who's born into power. The goal of a kingdom is the glory of the king. Kingdoms are a government, and governments operate by laws. And in a kingdom, laws come from the king, not from an elected body of rulers, not from the people. So we don't get to vote on what the definition of a gender is today. That gets decided by the creator and the king. We don't get to vote whether it's right or wrong to do certain things to other people. That gets dictated by the king. Okay, why is that so important? Why is that a challenge? First off, we don't have kingdoms today that we have any kind of good reference point to compare God's kingdom against. There are no true kingdoms operating in the way that I'm describing it really they all kind of died off in the past, and, and kingdoms and colonization has a very negative racial overtone to it and, and connotation. So there's bad kingdoms, and there's no current relevant kingdoms to compare God's kingdom against. So when you hear the kingdom of God, it takes a little bit of work to clarify and make sure you've got the right ideas. So the point I'm trying to make is his kingdom is fundamentally different. It's got some similarities. It's a government. It's not a religion. It works on laws. Those laws come from him. It's for his glory. It involves your good, but it's for his glory. And kingdoms, all kingdoms, one thing that they all are all alike in is they expand through colonization. That means they take some people from where they are and they deposit or implement them into another territory and they make that area like their area. It's called colonization. That's what colonization is. When you think about those concepts, and every time Jesus says, or somebody says, the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, the word of God begins to explode in a way that it never did before. When I thought about kingdom of God as, a, as, a, as, as some kind of adjective for heaven, it didn't make sense. But when I understood those concepts, so think about Jesus said the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman put into a lump of dough. Okay, well, that's like the kingdom of God, sending a governor from the homeland to a foreign territory to make it like where Homeland is. It's just different ways of describing the same thing. That's what, Jesus had such a hard time with it. That's why he, ha, he had to say the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. Because there's no one thing to compare it against. It takes a lot of work to renew your mind to it. 
In God's kingdom, we experience life by dying first. That verse that John referenced in the message, if you want to have multiplication, you've got to die first. You've got to let go of you. You've got to let go of your money. Death precedes life. We have life because Jesus died for us. There's no way to have that life without there being a death, and he was, his was the only death that could pay for that. In God's kingdom, we receive by giving. We give before we receive. In God's kingdom, stains are cleansed by blood, whereas in our kingdom, we try to cleanse blood as a stain. Blood is a staining agent or a stain in our world, but in God's kingdom, it's a cleansing agent. In God's kingdom, you forgive before you're, for, before you're at... There's, two, there's forgiveness of sins that separate you from God, but then there's forgiveness of other sins that separates you from a fellowship standpoint with God and hinders your, ability, your relationship with him. And we are called to forgive each other whether or not someone's even asked for forgiveness. And to the degree that we have or have not done that or been instructed to do that and we've not done it affects our relationship with the Father. We see that in the parable where the unforgiven servant who was forgiven of a little bit of money I mean, he, he had somebody that owed him a little bit of money. He wouldn't forgive them, but he owed a lot of money. And so he was forgiven millions of dollars, but he wouldn't forgive a few thousand. And Jesus said, if, since you're not willing to forgive, you're going to reap negative consequences. I'm totally paraphrasing, not trying to get too deep into any one parable right now. In God's kingdom, you become great by becoming the least. In our kingdoms, in the natural kingdoms, you become great by subduing others and putting other people down and lifting yourself up. Totally different. In God's kingdom, believing is seeing. In our world, seeing is believing. It's an upside-down, inside-out, backwards kingdom. In God's kingdom, you submit before you understand. Just like what John was saying. You give, you don't, you don't wait to, for God to tell you everything. You just say yes. Sign on the dotted line. Well, I want to read the T's and C's first. Sign on the dotted line. Backwards from our world, way of doing things. In God's kingdom... He said that he came to give to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And I love this one. I'm going to come back to this one in a moment. In our world, that sounds racially divisive and non-inclusive and discriminatory and offensive. And I'm out of here. But when you understand what he's really saying, it becomes a precious promise. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is. We'll come back to that in a moment. So. If you've ever been in a place or a position of employment or leadership, you've probably experienced this, but in the industrial world where I work, one thing that I hear very often is that employers would rather find someone with no experience so that they can train them rather than finding somebody who thinks they've got experience and having to untrain them and teach them a new way. I've seen it happen dozens, if not more times, and I've seen it involve hundreds and thousands of dollars of wasted time and effort. I've seen people sabotage projects and have bad attitudes and perceive things in a wrong way because of their wrong perception. In God's kingdom, you don't have to be qualified to be called. Your call qualifies you. It's backwards. It doesn't make sense. We've all seen at some point in our life someone who's a master at something. And I would probably say that everybody in here is probably a master at something. You've probably got something that you're really good at. If you think about it, Chris is really good at guitar. I love hearing Chris play guitar. Chris has been playing guitar for a long time. 
Chris has practiced all kinds of different chords and chord progressions and notes and songs, and he's performed over and over again. He's, he's worked with all kinds of intricate electrical equipment. If you look at all of his pedals he's got up here, just, I mean, to like not mess up would be a, a, an accomplishment for me, but he's just sitting up there doing all this different stuff. And he has a different sound. When you've mastered something, what you've done is you've taken all these little concepts, all these little lessons, and you've put them together, and you can excel at something. When I walk into a job site with my skill set, things that used to look so confusing and frustrating and even scary to me are just like, oh, just, just do this, do this. And I, and I sit there, and I look at other people, and, and they have no idea what they're doing wrong and what I just did to fix their equipment. And they, sometimes they have a hard time listening to me when I say, well, you need to operate like this, and if you do, you'll, you'll achieve this. I can't tell you how many times, like, in the industrial world, maybe it happens elsewhere, but there's like this um, bravado amongst men. It's like, I've been doing this 42 years. My favorite thing to do is to go onto a job site where someone says something smart aleck like that. And then when I get done, they say, how fast can you get me a truckload? My friend, who's a lot more brash than I am, he's a former military guy. He, he just says, I know, you've been doing it wrong. That's why I'm here, to teach you how to do it right. And he's half their age. I don't have the, that level of guts yet, but maybe one day. But secrets look simple once they're mature in someone's life. And so where I'm going with all this is all of these little concepts that I'm sharing with you really have real-world application every single day of your life. And if we will approach it like that and appreciate it from that perspective, you can start to build and experience and even correct negative momentum. You can build and experience momentum in your daily life, in your walk with the Lord, by tapping into what he's created and what he set in motion, understanding his way of doing things. It really is exciting. It's encouraging. You don't have to sit there and try to do things in your own strength. You just have to listen and do things his way of doing things. The secret to all this is intimacy with God. I was going to start and say, stewardship is about doing things God's way so that he gets the glory and the return and takes little and turns it into a lot. And the way to do that is through intimacy with God. Amen. <laughs> but it takes work. We got to dive in and, and, and practicing talking about these things. So I encourage you, you may not remember everything that I'm saying here today, but pick one or two things that jump out at you and practice talking about them. Practice incorporating them. When you talk to somebody in a restaurant or at a grocery store, practice talking to them like they are another son and child of God and they've been created with purpose and authority and destiny. And you may or may not know what that is, but at a minimum, they are not your slave or your servant. They are a peer and honor them. They may be having a really bad day. They may be treating you really bad, but instead of going, I got to be nice to them because I'm a Christian. I want to be good. No, practice talking to them in a way that honors them and shows them love and respect, even if they don't deserve it. You have no idea why they are doing what they're doing, but it's not about them. It's about you practicing the little things, these little concepts that will become a masterful experience as you are stewarding them on a little, on a minute basis. So just using that same example, if you practice that, then you start to ask God for patterns. Let me, God, show me, okay, Help me hear your voice in these moments. We're called to evangelize and witness to the world. 
If they're not in here, then we're gonna inter- it's going to happen when we interact with them out there. So what I've seen is that when you practice being a good steward with one little thing, one little area, what begins to happen is God begins to build momentum, and he actually develops a skill set in you that transfers into other things. Going back to that example of people with bad attitudes and prayer experience, the reason why employers want someone with no experience is because they can train them the right way to do it, and if they've got a good attitude, they can excel very quickly. I know of a situation where a boss and two employees, and they were all three different ethnic backgrounds, and the boss knew one young man since the day, like from when he was in diapers. And then another man came to work for him. But the man that he'd known his whole life had an entitlement attitude. It's me against the world. Everybody's out to get me. And I'm a victim. And I've got to do whatever I can to defend myself. This other man that came to the job site had an attitude of like, I just want to learn. What can I do to help? What can I, kind of like what Lena was telling about Alan in, in her message. He just, and he went to the boss and he said, I just want to do whatever I can to help make you successful. I want our team to be successful. Well, guess what happened? He's now the number two man, and the other guy who was in the leadership position interpreted the whole thing as though that guy came to steal his job. And it is so not true. The the boss actually loves him like a son and wants to do anything he can for him, and but it's all perspective. So my point is, when we steward one concept, one mystery, one revelation, one scripture, one truth, there's a principle in God's kingdom that nothing's going to get lost or wasted. And God will reward your faithfulness over a little, and he'll give you much. So you take your little, and you begin to steward it. It could be practicing. Now, let, let, me, let me back up. I wanted to say, I, again, I am I'm not an expert on this. I am preaching to myself more than anybody. And I am, I am living out this message. I started living it out before I even knew it was going to be a topic. And I see so many areas of my life that I want more in. And it'd be real easy to get condemned and go, oh, you're pathetic, you're a failure, you, you know, negative, negative, negative. But God has taught me to just take one area at a time and focus on it. And as you begin to steward it, you will begin to build momentum that will quickly transfer over into other areas. And it won't be something that you do for yourself. It's not, okay, I've done this. No, it, this is that divine mystery of a relationship between you and God. He'll take something if you just, it's how you approach it with your heart. God, let me, I mean, it could be the way that you, you give, the way that you greet, the way that you work for your employer. There's so many, so many different aspects of life. And what I love is that God almost gives you the freedom to pick where you want to start. He's got instructions for you. If you'll listen to him and ask him, he'll give you some ideas. But if you just start trying to be faithful in any area of life, he will begin to take it and multiply it. Secrets look simple once they are mature, but when they're foreign, they're confusing. Okay, that Chinese language that I was playing, that's not a big deal to someone who's a native speaker. They grew up speaking it, right, Amy? You understood? Yeah. To someone who speaks Spanish, those concepts are just like, that. oh, that's just normal. Something that is mature and well-developed in your life will look confusing and frustrating and difficult when it's a new concept. That's where the foolish servant stops and has a bad attitude and, 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 and bows out. So where am I going with this? Every single area of your life, I believe 
the parable of the sower and the soils is not, I used to look at it as just talking about heaven. So whoever received the soil and produced fruit, they went to heaven and the seed, you know, that didn't produce anything, they went to hell. Well, there's four different soils in there. There's four different examples of what's happening. And when you take what I've shared already, I'm not going to redo it, but if you take those kingdom of God words out and you put heaven, heaven doesn't make sense in that parable. But when you think about your life as a field with potentially having all types of soil in it, you've got some areas that are lush and soft and ready to receive seed and ready to produce. And that can be the area of your life that you like to put on display and let people see you for what you're known for. And then you can have these areas on the backside of the hill that have got a lot of rocks and very dry and maybe we're a dump heap at one time, but you're getting, you've, you're work, we're all like that. We've all got areas that are, that are, we don't receive the word of God readily. The one thing that's the same about all different types is Satan wants to take the seed. And so the soil is your heart. And that's why you can have seed that produces in one area of your life and not in another. It's not because God's playing favoritist or doesn't love you as much as someone else. But what you can do is you can take what you've learned in the other areas where you've been a good steward and you can begin to act in faith and get, okay, God, I'm, I'm getting victory over here. I'm learning how to be faithful and diligent and consistent. I'm expecting that you're going to help me do the same thing over here. We're going to take the whole territory for you. I've shared this story before, but my friend has a, a farm down in Wharton, Texas, and, and, and they said that every year they have to get the rocks out of the garden. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. If you get the rocks out, why would you have to get them out again the next year? Because he said rocks move through the earth. And so what, what is removed one year can actually become rocky soil the next year. We've got to keep our soil clean and soft and tilled. The kingdom operates by laws, and these are laws that you cannot break. And the secret to pressing in is the heart in which you respond to things when they're presented to you. So I've got one more example. Can you put that word up, Dan? I'm going to introduce you to a word that you all know, that you probably, you may not think that you know. Anybody want to take a chance on how to pronounce that? Helen! That's the word ambulance written backwards, yes. I wanted someone to try to spell it phonet phonetically. Eknalumba. 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 Well, maybe we should call it the sermon Eknalumba. Is there a reason to have a word like that written like that? Rearview mirror. It's called mirror writing. Driving and commercial vehicles sometimes have messages printed backwards for marketing. But international standards state that ambulances should have the word ambulance written in reverse. In some countries, the words police and paramedics are also spelled backwards for similar reasons. The purpose for mirror writing on vehicles is to, so that you can quickly catch the attention of other motorists. So what you would walk up to and look at in one context would seem backwards. But when you look at it in a rearview mirror, all of a sudden it has meaning. God's kingdom and his concepts are like that. Sometimes we walk, we go, what? Give first before I, what I, if I don't have what I have, it's going to be taken away. And if I do have what I, you know, that verse that I started off with used to sound very offensive and confusing to me. And so I'm going to go back to it. Verse 25, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. 
In older translations, it doesn't say understanding. It just says, to him who has, more will be given. And to him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. And that's like, what? That sounds really mean. That's like, that doesn't make sense. Well, let's put those concepts together. Remember, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the creator. He gives seed and bread to the sower. So he always gives us something to start with. It's a lie of the enemy to think that you are so impoverished that you have nothing to start with. Think of the woman who was down to her last meal. Think of the disciples having to feed the multitudes. They automatically tried to figure it out in their own minds. It's going to take eight months of wages to feed all these people, and how am I going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. God always provides a little for us to start with. And when we give him that little in faith, like John was saying first, before we understand, just obey what he says, the mystery is he can take that little and do what you never, ever could with it. And he multiplies it. That is the secret of stewardship. And so I have found that understanding these concepts about kingdom have literally transformed my life. And I feel like it's important to share the big picture. Just a, Before I talk about any concept, I, I feel called to share a big picture of what a kingdom is to, to help people renew their minds. Because when you think about, this is... This is, this is about his government. Governments operate by laws. His government is different from my world and my government. Laws can't be broken. They can only be violated. So a law is either going to work for me or against me, and God's not partial. He's not a respecter of persons. Do you see? It's like every single scripture begins to build on itself and to have a context and a a your comprehension just goes through the roof. So I'm closing with this thought. Lena said that you can't give away what you don't have. But it's also true that you can't have what you won't or can't give away. And that can only, that, that seems like two contradictory statements. It can only be understood by understanding revelation received from the Lord. See, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower, He said, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. That word secrets means secret knowledge that can only be revealed. It's not something that you can go and lay hold of and acquire on your own. You can't go study yourself into understanding. It can only be revealed. What is that a picture of? What we all know is intimacy with the Lord. So as we go and we practice intimacy with the Lord, we should expect and be listening For him to explain things to us, to give us instructions, revelation, direction, and to know that he's going to do something with it that we never could. All we have to do is say yes to him first. If that was not true, then there would be no way that that scripture would be true about having and not having and taking, having what you do have taken away. As I was preparing for this, the Lord gave me one other little precious nugget that I've never seen before, and it's so simple, and so it'd be real easy to walk past it, but when Jesus said, to those that have, more will be given, and to those that do not have, even what they do have will be taken away, all of a sudden he reminded me of another verse in Scripture, in James chapter 1, you do not have because you do not ask. What did the disciples do that was different than all the crowd's They all heard the same thing, but the disciples and those with them pressed in that later that day. And they said, what did you mean? 
They just did what Scripture said. They asked. They asked. And that's all we got to do, like be like little kids, is just ask. What, what do you mean by that? How, how, do I, how do I enter into more? What, are you, what, what is your will? What do I need? What can I do today? What, what can I be a steward of today? What, what little can I give you that you can multiply, that you want to turn, that you want to use for something else? And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you on an individual basis. But I also just want to say for our house that let's, let's start getting comfortable with giving God any little that he wants. Any little. Like, let's don't, let's don't be uncomfortable with God doing different things maybe at the end of our service. It'd be real easy to think, oh, we've got the same people here every week, or to think we've got the same people here every week and forget about who may be watching online. What if God has a word that he wants? That my, my training, my ministry training was being on a ministry team where we were all working together and we were all listening together. And so one person might have the word, five people might have the word, and but we shared and we went back and forth. And I just want to cast it out there and I just want to, I just want to plant a seed that I believe that God has got something for us every time that we get together. So right now, if John Sabata, if anybody, if you've got something on your heart right now, that you feel like God wants to say. Let's all stand to our feet. I loved the service last week. It was so powerful. And I'm not trying to be like anybody else or do anything like that. That's not what this is about. But I just believe that God wants us to stop seeing things in an old, outdated way, limiting him to a status quo. Well, God did it differently this week. I believe God wants us to come with expectation. And, and, and if you come with expectation, you've got to be willing to step out like that man that ran forward at Blaine Church. I need God. If that was you, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to look foolish? Would you be willing to be vulnerable? Would you be willing to lay everything down? What, what, are, we not, what are we holding on to that we think is so much, what is really just a fragment, that God is just waiting for us to put it in his economy so that he can multiply it? There's, we've seen he, there's nothing that is impossible with him. There's no amount that he can't do if we'll just give him the little. So, Father, we, we just take time right now to stumble, to stutter step, to whatever. We're willing to be vulnerable. We're willing to move beyond com- comfortable and conventional. We're willing to move beyond what we've comprehended and known in the past. And we just say yes. God, I believe that you want to do new things in this house. And we've got to be willing to adopt and adapt and become new wineskins. And... Father, I thank you for the DNA that is in this house. I thank you for everybody that's in this house right now. Every child of God has a right to hear what you have to say to them. And Lord, if there's mail that you want delivered, we want to say yes to you. If there's healings that you want to have accomplished today, we want to say yes to that. If there's somebody that hasn't received Jesus Christ yet, we want to help them say yes to you, Father. We don't come together for religious services. This is not about rituals. This is not about performance. We're not trying to impress anybody. None of us is even going to remember what we said or did on all these Sundays or what we wore, God, but we're going to remember our encounters with you. And that's the only reason why we're here. So, Father, have your way. Holy Spirit, I echo what Lena said. Move in this place. Move in our hearts. I ask you to convict, touch, encourage, teach, enable enlighten God speak to all of us on an individual basis show us new areas or fields that we can start stewarding in new ways 
Give us testimonies. Give us faith stories, God. Give us victories that we can share with each other, that we can receive from. Life is not worth living if we're not intimate with you. Life isn't possible to live without you.